Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I do love those sounds. After all, I went to University of Michigan, a Big Ten school where love for the football team, the Wolverines, was practically a prerequisite for getting in. Every year I try and go to a game. At least I tune in and cheer for Big Blue. There's no doubt this year things are going to be different due to the pandemic. The National Collegiate Athletic Association announced that fall sports championships are postponed until the spring. As things stand now, my school, Michigan, is not going to be playing football this season, or at least not right away. But some schools are going ahead with football anyway. So what does a decision like this mean for schools and for teams? How can student athletes and staff stay safe? On today's episode, I'm going to talk to the NCAA's chief medical officer about the future of college sports. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. Doesn't matter if you're at University of Alabama on the, on the football field or you're at New York University and you're playing soccer. Every student athlete loves to compete. And that's what we really miss right now is just seeing these young athletes getting out there and pouring their hearts and their minds and their bodies into something that they love so dearly. That's Dr. Brian Hainline the NCAA's chief medical officer and the former chief medical officer of the U.S. Tennis Association. With the NCAA, Dr. Hainline proposes and enforces policies for college sports and athletes. But ultimately, member schools get to decide which rules to adopt. Earlier this month, he issued a warning over the challenges of moving ahead with college sports. Early on, we set up an advisory panel with leaders in public health and global health, infectious disease. And so this advisory panel early on, they really locked into the situation and and provided guidance, not just to me, but more importantly, to the NCAA membership. So what's your overall stance right now when it comes to this pandemic and college sports? So we've put out three documents. They're called Resocialization of Collegiate Sport Documents, and they've been evolving as our knowledge has evolved. We set up five pretty strict conditions for how sport cannot go forward. And so that includes things like not being able to isolate or or quarantine or not being able to effectively contact trace or not being able to perform testing within a defined period. And interestingly, and it was a very collaborative process because I worked really closely with the Autonomy 5 Medical Advisory Group, sometimes called the Power 5. I mean, the great thing about the NCAA is you have all these very, very smart people at member schools, higher education, and and we worked collaboratively and we came up with the same protocols. And and then the Board of Governors of the NCAA uh, created what we call a mandate saying that this document had to be followed. But you you look at the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and they said, well, we we don't think we can pull this off. So uh, they decided to withdraw early and, and other conferences, actually six of the 10 
uh, FBS conferences are saying, well, let's still wait and see because uh, we believe it might be possible to pull this off. I'm curious, you know, as doctors, we always get the question, if you did have a son uh, that was a college football player, what would you be telling them? Yeah, so I would want to ensure that the, the, the mandates that are in place, that every single thing is, is being followed. And it's not just within the school. The trickier part is that if there's going to be competition against another school, that there are assurances that they're doing everything right. And, and still there, there does carry the risk, but I, I, I think the risk is greatly minimized relative to, say, being in a dormitory. When you think about um, the championships overall this fall, your recommendation is against NCAA sports championships. I, I remember, doctor, back in March, and I was watching basketball. The tournament had started, and there were probably some of these elite teams that were already playing or, or gearing up to play, and that's when everything sort of shut down. Just, just fundamentally, how do you reconcile that? I mean, we were ready to shut things down when things were a thousandfold better in terms of overall infections. Isn't the risk just too high to have college sports at this time? Yeah, so I, I remember when we made the decision like it was yesterday. We were dealing with a very, very new disease. Uh, very few people understood what really was the vector of transmission. And then on, on March 11th, the advisory panel, they, they just said, look, we can't have any fans on site. This is too great a risk in a disease that's unknown. And the other thing that's important, and, and this led to the March 12th decision, we said, maybe we can create a bubble. Let's mm-hmm. just have a modified Final Four in a bubble. But the testing back then was so highly prioritized that only the extremely ill people were being tested. And the fastest turnaround was more than three days. And so we said, well, we can't ethically or even logically hold a a condensed Final Four under those situations. So Mm -hmm. now we've gained a lot of knowledge. We've understood the value of physical distancing, of universal masking. Testing, although I wish we were in a better place, it, it has evolved considerably. And so, yes, the risk is is still there. Um, I actually feel that the risk is greater um, when people are socializing in parties and dorms than in a very controlled activity like athletics. But um, I think our ability to mitigate or manage the risk is vastly improved than where we were in March. If if you, you think about the NBA bubble as a success, it is clear, though, that you can't do a bubble-like atmosphere in college sports. So if that's the only system that sort of works, how do we justify returning college kids to sports this fall? Are people more likely to make a decision to move forward because there is a financial pressure to do so? Do do you worry about that? Well, I, I think it's a legitimate concern, and uh, but, but I think you can also turn it in a, a slightly different way, which, which really then uh, uh, addresses the inequalities in our society. Uh, so all of the fall sports, except for football, have been canceled. And the only conferences and schools that are considering playing football are those that have a lot of resources. And so they're saying, well, we have so many resources and we're going to be able to ensure that the athletes are protected. Yes, there's money involved, but they're also making a decision. They have the resources. If anyone is going to be able to pull this off, it's those that are best resourced. And that's a a statement about society and what COVID has laid bare. 
One of the things we've heard about college sports recently has been um, this issue of, of cardiac inflammation, known as cardiomyositis. How, how big a risk do you think this is really? Well, it's a great question. I, I remember 30 years ago, and uh, there were a group of us speaking uh, at a tennis symposium. And we said that under no conditions can any tennis athlete with a symptomatic viral syndrome work out or compete because of the risk of myocarditis. And so we've actually, in sports medicine, have known this risk for many years, but it's never been studied in any great detail. And now with this particular coronavirus, it's probably the most intensely studied virus in in history, intensely meaning over a very short condensed period of time. And so we've had evolving uh, paradigms. Uh, You you know, initially it was that anyone that had uh, COVID-19, it was almost like move right to a cardiac MRI. Uh, and, and then it moved into uh, less intense protocols. And, and now where we are, anyone who has had COVID-19 should get an electrocardiogram, and echocardiogram, and then a blood test called troponin. And that's a way of looking at potential heart muscle damage. So that's where we are right now. But we at least have, I think, at the front end, a, a protocol that the experts agree is the soundest way to really proceed. Let me, let me ask one question about fans. As you, as you may know, University of Alabama is allowing fans to attend home football games, 20% seating capacity, they say. What do you think about that? Well, so you, you, you may know, Sanjay, the sport that I love so much is tennis. And so I, I was very involved in helping to set up the U.S. Open tennis protocol. So we made the decision that we just didn't think we can control everything uh, with fans on site. You know, we've seen the diagrams that have worked in, in other sports where you actually have physical distancing. You must have masking. Um, but but it opens up the risk much greater for community spread. And, and, and so I have very mixed feelings about it. We set up the U.S. Open the way we did for a reason because we thought that was the best way we could control it. So um, it's going to be a challenge, let's put it that way. I want to I ask you just about the student-athlete sort of life and the priorities overall. UNC Charlotte is going to delay in-person classes until October 1st with remote classes until then, but football season is still going ahead. UNC Chapel Hill... They announced on August 19th that all undergraduate in-person instruction is going to shift to remote learning, but football practice is back on already. Clemson, sort of a similar situation. They're not bringing student, other students back till September 21st. Uh, Notre Dame, your, your alma mater, I guess, they've suspended, as you know, in-person classes until September 2nd, but football players are already back at practice. Does that sound right to you, or is that just basically... Uh, bringing kids back uh, under the auspices of learning, but not really learning. Right. So you bring up some very challenging points. So first and foremost, what the NCAA has always prided itself in is that we're a higher education association. And so student athletes should be students first. The shifting paradigm or what seems like a shifting paradigm is what does it mean to be a student? And Can it be remote learning only? And I think you're pointing to some soul-searching questions that have to be answered. We're looking at lessons learned and from available data. And if we wanted to do sport, a relative bubble-like effect is probably the most effective way to do it and the safest way to do it. Look, I for one am going to miss watching my Michigan Wolverines play at the big house this fall. 
But as I keep telling my daughters, you know, this pandemic isn't going to last forever. We're going to get through this. There will be a return to normalcy at some point, even if we don't know when. But in the meantime, we can try and dance with this virus in a way that makes the world feel a bit more normal. We will find ways to move forward safely where possible. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.